in-depth conversations, matchup breakdown, everything a Steelers fan could want. This is Fourth Down in the Steel City with Chris Mack and Josh Taylor. Welcome back into Fourth Down in the Steel City alongside Josh Taylor. I am Chris Mack, and we have got you covered today. Pushing farther down the line towards a Monday night kick, which, by the way, the Steelers don't lose Monday nights at home. They just don't. They've won 20 in a row. So maybe there's a little bit of uh, something there, something that pushes them towards what would be a huge W. Rare you get to talk about must-win games early in the season. This is about as close as you can get to a must-win game in week two. Anyway, Steelers-Browns tomorrow. We will build the game plan. Uh, we'll also get you our picks as well. We got you covered all weekend long getting ready for fourth down in the Steel City's look at Steelers Browns. We talked about Kenny Pickett a couple minutes ago, Josh. Uh, the other side of the ball is going to have to be carried by TJ Watt. Cam Hayward out. Obviously, Keanu Benton and however else they fill those snaps on the defensive line will be important. Um, there are still a ton of other questions on the defensive side of the ball when we get into talking about the game plan later in the weekend. I'll save that. But with Watt specifically, I mean, I, I look at Cleveland's offensive line, and as good as it is, I still look at T.J. Watt and say, the way that guy played against San Francisco's offensive line, why can't he go off against Cleveland's offensive line? And a guy who will be making, I think, his second career start, maybe, or at least his first career start against the Browns, Dewan Jones. Um, there's there's an opportunity again for T.J. Watt to eat an inexperienced offensive tackle's lunch. Yeah, he did it last week with Colton McKivitz, and it was exactly what Sterling Bennett expected it that it could be. And this is another opportunity for him. And I think it does have to start with T.J. Watt, and not only because of the pass rush, but also because of the run game as well. Here's what I remind people: T.J. Watt is not the right outside linebacker. He's the left, left outside linebacker. So he's lined up more often than not on the strong side of the offense. That becomes something that you take into account when you're talking about what the other team is going to do, not only in the pass game, but in the run game as well. Because now you have to think about, do you want to run the ball to TJ Watt's side of the field? And if that is the case, now you're talking about, hey, are you, which, which side of the field would you normally look to avoid Cam Hayward? Now you got to think about that. So now it becomes an extra bit of pressure on Alex Highsmith. It becomes an extra bit of pressure on Keanu Benton because he's probably going to be thrust into that role, and they're probably going to test him early. And, oh, yeah, by the way, the guy we're handing the ball off back to back here, the guy we're handing him the ball off to, that's Nick Chubb, and he's one of the hardest guys in the league to tackle at the running back position. So good luck with that too. This is where the linebackers come into play. Chris, you've been talking about Landon Roberts and what he does in the run game from the moment we started doing this show. This mm -hmm. becomes so much more important to have him on the field. This becomes so much more important that whoever between Quan Alexander and Cole Holcomb, I imagine in rundowns, it's going to be Quan Alexander. These two guys have to be very, very stout in the run game too. It's going to take a collective effort, but you're right. It has to start with the guy wearing number 90. He's got to be able to get in the backfield and make some plays, and he's capable of doing that. I think that's something – that we kind of take off the table because we always talk about his pass rush ability and some of the freakish plays he can make in defending the pass, even when he's not getting after the quarterback. But we take his ability to help set the edge in the run game, and we kind of we kind of set it to the side and don't always acknowledge it. It becomes a much more important thing here. So, yes, it does take all the other guys around him, but 90 is going to have to set the tone 
not only in the pass game, but in the run game as well. Yeah, and, and I just think about, let's say you can minimize Nick Chubb, right? I'm not asking you to take Chubb completely out of the game, but just minimize him. Keep him from ripping off one of those 40, 50-yard runs early in the game that Mike Tomlin referenced during his press conference on Tuesday. They've seen it happen before. Just Don't allow another CMC moment, basically. Exactly, exactly. Uh, if you can do that, well, now you're, I think, and, and again, when we build the game plan in the next episode, I think we'll get into this a little deeper, but you're putting the game a little bit more on Deshaun Watson's shoulders. And again, if Deshaun Watson ends up beating you, so be it. But the way Deshaun Watson has looked in his, what's it been, seven, eight games since he's returned to the lineup, he doesn't yep. look like a guy that can single-handedly win a game. He, the, the Browns didn't beat the Bengals because of Deshaun Watson in week one. Uh, they beat the Bengals more because of their defense. And right. I think offensively, if you can neutralize Chubb, just neutralize him, just minimize his impact somewhat, then you're going to have an opportunity because Watt's going to get off against Watson. And this is not one of those situations where you say, uh, like you remember back in the day when the Steelers would play certain mobile quarterbacks, we would talk about, oh, well, just stay in your pass rush lanes on the outside, Right. Don't, don't let the pocket dissolve so the quarterback, whoever it may be, like Mike Vick, I think of in his prime, can get outside the pocket and take off, right? We wanted to stay in our rush lanes so we could keep him in the middle of the field and kind of let things collapse on top of themselves like a dying Mark, star. Mark Caballi always talks about gap integrity. That's the one thing he always harps on. <laughs> That's because if there's, if there's one thing Caballi can do, it's remain integral to his gap. He's not doing a lot of... Anyway, nope. sorry, Mark. I had he's to take a shot. Uh, he is. He's a space eater. Um, Indeed. So, but like with TJ Watt, you don't tell him to do that. Even against a mobile quarterback like Watson, you don't tell TJ Watt, hey, stay in your rush lane. Keep your gap integrity. No, you tell TJ Watt, again, to harken back to Steelers of old, like Bill Coward Here tapping Greg Lloyd on the shoulder pads, rush the quarterback. And if Deshaun Watson breaks contain and takes off 10 yards down the field, then TJ, you chase him down and bring him to the ground. Here's the thing. I don't think Deshaun Watson's getting away from TJ Watt. A healthy TJ Watt is a frightening TJ Watt to have to run away from because you can't get away from him. A lot of quarterbacks don't have the speed to get away from that guy. So to bring it back to can TJ Watt carry the defense? I think yes, to an extent, if you can neutralize and I don't mean take him away and take him out of the game but just minimize Nick Chubb's ability to take over the game then yes I think TJ Watt can be enough and I'm not asking for three sacks and two forced fumbles again I'm just asking mm -hmm. to get in there and get into Sean Watson's face and force him to make some quick decisions that he's not necessarily excited about making and that may cause the mistakes you need on the back end that you didn't get out of Brock Purdy be nice to get some TFLs by comparison. If even if the sacks and the forced fumbles don't happen, TFLs are going to have to be a big thing here. You got to get tackles for loss. And here, here's a, here's the thing I have to remind people because they're like, "Oh, Mike Tomlin always says the same things." Some of those things are important. Forcing a team to get behind the sticks, having them be behind schedule. What he's talking about is instead of giving up that five or six yard run to Nick Chubb on first down, cut it to three or four. Because a second and five looks a lot easier to make than a second and eight. Or, yeah. or, a, sec or a second and three is going to look a lot easier than a second and six. you got to be able to find ways. Like you said, you don't have to completely take Nick Chubb out of the game. But you can't make him be the reason why Cleveland's offense keeps moving the sticks 
down the field, why they keep moving the ball so regularly. You have to find a way to keep that from happening. Because, oh, yeah, by the way, you still got to deal with Amari Cooper on the outside. And you don't want to have that issue, especially when you had a hard time dealing with guys like Brandon Ayuk last week against San Francisco. So you don't want to get yourself back into that situation where not only you can't stop the run, but you also can't stop the one receiver that's beating your corners down the field. And you can't get back into that rhythm, so to speak, again, because it's not one you want to be stuck in. So you want to keep them behind schedule. You want to try to find a way to win first and second down because that's what sets you up for those third and long situations or third and passing downs where now you can let the TJ Watts loose. You can let the Alex Highsmiths loose and try to get after Deshaun Watson a lot easier than you would otherwise. I was going to say, I'm glad you brought him up. You mentioned his name because Highsmith needs to be mentioned too. His, his PFF ranking, decent enough through week one. I think 19th out of 107 edge rushers I saw. So that's, and that's, that's against a, the best offensive lineman in the league. Right. So that's quality. But now here's an Put opportunity. Here's an opportunity now, though, Josh, against, uh, I think it's Jedrick Wills, who will be on the left side mm. for the Browns, who was near the bottom of the league. I mean, I think Dan Moore was the only tackle that ranked worse than him in week one. So here's an opportunity. Mm. If they do slide that protection to TJ's side, here's an Alex Highsmith game for you. That could be the answer to it as well, as opposed to can T.J. Watt carry the defense when everything's being schemed against him because he was an absolute Superman in week one? Can T.J. Watt's presence be enough to allow other guys to step up in so much as can Alex Highsmith have a game that shows exactly why they gave him that contract extension? Yeah, there has to be an either or. I don't know if it could be both. I don't know if you're going to see T.J. Watt and Alex Highsmith thrive or T.J. Watt and the Marcus Golden or TJ Watt and a Nick Herbig. But if you can get, hey, okay, this guy's doing his thing or this guy is getting keyed on. So it's allowing other person on the other side, insert name here to do his thing or even interior guy, even Keanu Benton or Larry Okunjobi or whoever, insert interior guy here can get opportunities to make plays. I still think Keanu Benton is a pretty integral part of this defensive game plan, but we'll get into that further on down the road. But you're right. It, it just... It does come down to either A, if T.J. Watt can do his thing, or if Cleveland says, hey, we got to stop this guy against all odds and open up somebody else an opportunity to do their thing. As you pointed out, we will build the game plan brought to you by, insert your sponsorship here, in a episode this weekend on 4th Down in Steel City. We'll also get you the hot sheet, all our picks for the weekend as well. If you haven't yet subscribed or followed the podcast, in however, whatever form you get it, do so right now so you get those episodes over the weekend and you're ready to go flying into monday ready for steelers browns monday night we've got you covered all week and yes even this weekend with new episodes of fourth down in steel city